0: Genesis chapter 4. The Bible is full of descriptive titles of our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, some of these will come up on the screen, I believe. We can have those, just a few, and um, give you a little time to read some of these. Then we'll go to the next slide. There's some more. Anybody want to guess how many titles there might be in the Bible of, of the Lord? Descriptive titles, just go ahead, guess. 300? 300? Well, you're 100 over, but but 200 anyway. I would guess, I, I guess I can't say for sure, but I would guess that probably no other human figure in all of history has that many descriptive titles of them, unless it was some arrogant pharaoh or somebody like that that made up titles for themselves. And so... There are that many titles for Christ and the most often frequently used title for him is the Lamb. Uh, About 30 times, something like that. Several times in the book of Revelation, uh, in the book of John and so on. Remember John the Baptist when Jesus came to the river to be baptized and John told the people, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world the most frequently used title for him in all of the Bible. And so I'm going to use uh, throughout March and leading up to Easter messages on the Lamb. I think it's fitting for us to do that as we come up to Easter. And uh, I want us to to think of him as the Lamb. And we're going to kind of go through the Bible beginning from the very beginning and pick up on some of these messages, stories, passages of scripture that that refer to the Lamb. They're looking forward to the Lamb that we find in the Bible. And today we begin with the very second generation of mankind. Adam and Eve had sons, and their names were Cain and Abel. And let's read about them this morning. So stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Genesis 4, and verses 1 through 7. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. You may be seated. There's so much to learn here in our passage of Scripture this morning. There's a lot of questions that probably come to mind as to what's going on here. And and we assume that, that Cain and Abel were probably the first children born to Adam and Eve. The Bible doesn't always put in all the details that come along, and the Bible doesn't specifically say the first, but we'll assume they were first, two boys, some think they might have been twins, but the Bible doesn't really say that. Two boys, here's what's interesting, that would have the same background in life. They would have the same heredity, the uh, same environment. Um, you, you could not raise two boys in the, in the most similar environment, background, and all that stuff in all of the world. Here's another thing that you must consider about Cain and Abel there were no other children around to be a bad influence on them. There was no uncle, aunt, grandparents, anybody to really steer them in the wrong way. There was no TV. There was, there was, there were no magazines. There was nothing to come along in their life to influence them in a bad way. I mean, Adam and Eve, you've got it made. You should be able to raise these kids pretty good. And yet, Uh, Since we're on the subject of prodigals today, we find out that Adam and Eve were the very first parents of a prodigal child. Isn't that something? The very first generation of mankind to come along of children, there was already a prodigal. So for prodigal parents, don't let Satan beat you up. God has known about this for a long, long time. But here's what was different about them. They had different vocations. Cain was the ground farmer. He tilled the soil, he planted the seeds, he took care of the crops, and Abel was the one that took care of the livestock. Reminds me of of a couple of brothers that we knew in one of our churches, where Jack Winchester was was the one that took care of the, the stock, the livestock, all about the animals. And he knew that very well. And he that was just his thing. And this was a large operation. Jerry was the younger brother, and he took care of all the crops. He saw all the machinery. He put the the stuff in the ground. He oversaw all of that, and it was a, a fairly big operation. Two brothers, and so Cain and Abel are in the same fix right here. They are both, uh, uh, you know, have to do with farming, but each of them had something different. Both vocations, very honorable positions. Don't we kind of honor the farmer? Don't we, we respect the farmer? There's something about farming that, you know, it just, it just makes you feel good about them. You honor them. You respect the farmer. They, they work long and hard hours. They, they're submissive to the weather, the climate, everything coming along in the market, and you feel for them because, you know, they can't work 8 to 5 every day. They don't get the same paycheck every week. They have their good years, their bad years, and everything about them. Typically, not so much today, but there was a day in which almost all the farmers dressed in overalls. There was no look of pride on the farmer's face. There was no pretense about them. They had rough hands, they had weathered faces, uh, all those things about them, their skin, and usually, almost without exception, still probably fairly true today, their wives can really cook the farmer. So Cain and Abel were farmers. Uh, they worked the field. Cain worked the fields. Abel uh, took care of the livestock. Now we must think about the sacrifice. Up until this time in the Bible, which this is only the fourth chapter in the Bible, we have no really official time in which there is a recorded sacrifice by man before God. But there actually had already been a sacrifice take place and that is that there was an animal or animals that gave up their lives to clothe Adam and Eve let's see if we have a picture of Adam and Eve on the on the screen here i think we do i think we do there we are an interesting picture of Adam and Eve isn't it and you know what? I, I think that's probably the closest picture to what they look like than any I've ever seen. Most of the pictures I see of Adam and Eve, they're about 60 years old. And, uh, but I, Adam and Eve were not old, were they? God created them. I think he probably created two people in the prime of their life. And there they are. But they're clothed in animal skin. An animal gave its life. Why? Because Adam and Eve sinned, right? Right? They were wearing fig leaves. They were clothed, but God took a different course of action. I will put them in animal skin. I will take the life of an animal. And because sin had come into the world. So anyway, a sacrifice has already taken place. But periodically, and the Bible doesn't always record everything, but periodically, most scholars, theologians, would feel like that Adam and Eve actually probably offered God a sacrifice. And uh, it makes sense because they had been through this thing of sinning. This thing of an animal being given its life. This thing of knowing what it feels like to sin before God and needing that to be covered and atoned for. And Adam and Eve no doubt periodically did that. And so as when Cain and Abel come along, they know what it's all about. They've been told they've seen it. So the Genesis account here is how Cain and Abel now are bringing their offerings to the Lord God. Cain brought some of the farm produce, and Abel bar- brought what is called in the Bible fat portions of the animal for his offering to the Lord. So let's look at these two offerings for a minute. Cain brought something from the fields. No doubt, Cain brought a really good offering. There's no doubt about it. I mean, after all, he had big fields. He had a lot he could have, could have uh, brought in. And, and probably if Cain were to have brought his offering into a county or state fair, he would have won a blue ribbon. That's how good it would have been. He was an excellent farmer. And uh, outwardly, from a human point of view, what Cain brought, we would have thought good offering, good sacrifice. It's come from his, from his livelihood. Abel was the one that took care of the livestock, and we are told that he took the firstborn of the animals, and he took the fat portion of that animal, meaning the very best part of the meat, and brought it before the Lord. And so an animal's life has been given up to give this offering. How did God respond to these offerings? Here's Cain with the firstfruits of the land, Abel with the fat portions of the animal. How did God respond? Well, we find here the Lord said... It says here, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, the fat portions, but on Cain and his offering, the offering from the land, God was not pleased with. He did not look in favor. What was the difference here? Which is extremely important. Some think it came down to the fact that Abel brought the animal portion, Cain brought something from the land. But probably that was not it. Not Because certainly later on in the sacrificial system, there were times in which offerings from the land were brought to the Lord. And it was prescribed by the Lord to do that. No, it went deeper than that. And so let's see what it was that that really was setting the two apart. Because God accepted one. He was pleased with one. He was totally displeased with the other. It must have come down to the spirit. In which the sacrifices were brought to the Lord. The inner heart with which we would bring something to the Lord, sacrifice to the Lord, it's always about the heart, isn't it? God can see right down into our heart, and He knows where we're at. He knows us better than we know ourselves. That's why we need God to do that, because sometimes our spirit leads us in a way that we've been deceived, and God's spirit needs to get a hold of us and and correct us and God does that. So how did these two brothers differ in their hearts? Number 1, Cain did not bring an offering by faith. In Hebrews 11:4, in fact, it talks about Cain. It says by faith Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man. What we are told here is that Abel had faith in God and and Cain did not. That's saying quite a bit about what we bring to God. Cain knew, uh, or God knew their hearts, and God could detect it. Now here's what's going on here. Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve experienced what you and I really have not experienced. And that is they have walked in the Garden, and they could hear the very voice of God speak to them. And they had this perfect fellowship with God. As they walked with Him, they felt so good with God. They didn't have to hide anything. They felt no guilt. They had no regrets. They just walked with God, and they loved God, and God loved them, and they felt that. But then they sinned, didn't they? And I don't know if you and I can really grasp how that changed things for Adam and Eve, how they had had perfect fellowship with God and now they're separated from God. I don't know if we really know what they felt but it happened and that is what sin sin did. They did not walk with God but then what happened God killed the animal he clothed them in the animal skins. God forgave them and the concept of a sacrifice was formed in their minds. This would have passed on to their sons, I am sure, that as mother and father loving God, knowing God again, walking with God again, loving their sons also, they would have shared with their sons the most important thing in life you can do is walk with God. And would have shared the whole thing. The Garden of Eden. We used to live over there, sons. We walked in perfect fellowship with God over there in the Garden of Eden It was so wonderful, and then we sinned against God. And God came looking for us, and you don't know, sons, how awful that felt to not be one with God, but we were there, and then God forgave, and now we're walking with God again, sons. And the animal's life was given, and would have shared with the sons how how wonderful it is to walk with God. Now Cain and Abel have grown up, don't know how old they were, let's say 17, 18, somewhere in there. And it must have been time that in their own lives now they realize they're going to need to offer sacrifice to God for their sin. You see, because they were not not, uh, like Adam and Eve when they were created. Adam and Eve were created perfect. They didn't need to be forgiven in that state, only when they sinned. Now Cain and Abel have come along. They've have sin in their life, they must offer God a sacrifice and understand what this is all about. And Abel's sacrifice was pleasing to God because Abel put his faith in God that the sacrifice atones for my sins. Cain did not have that kind of faith or want to display that kind of faith. He was more of a a guy that would trust in himself. Look at my offering. Isn't that great? Look what I have done. Isn't that great? Cain never, I guess, felt that need of, I need an atoning sacrifice. The prodigal son already, first generation, I don't need God. Didn't confess to that. Abel was, in effect, saying as he sacrificed the fat portions there for God, He was in effect saying, Oh God, just as I have seen this little lamb lay down its life, only a year old, and its life taken away, as I have seen that lamb give its life away, I see how it represents your life one day that will be given for all mankind. Here's the second thing we find out about these, these offerings. For Cain, his offering... Denied that he was even separated from God. Romans three twenty-three we read, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and uh, what Adam and Eve would have taught their sons was there needs to be a sacrifice for sin. They shared the story of their their sinning. They shared the story of how God found them. They were trying to hide from God. They tried to excuse themselves from God, but They finally had to admit it. They had to acknowledge it in order for God to forgive. They learned from experience you cannot hide from God. You can put fig leaves on. You can hide around the bush somewhere, but God knows exactly where you're at. He knows your heart. And they would have shared with their sons, it's just best to get it out in the open with God when you have sinned. It's just best to admit it, to acknowledge it, to accept it, to state it. Before God. I guess Adam and Eve had learned the truth of Isaiah 57, 55 7 long before Isaiah wrote it, which is, Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. See, doesn't God wait so readily eager to forgive us? and pardon us when we have erred. Don't you see God as a prodigal father? If not, you need to see him that way. But we find here that Abel brought uh, his sacrifice with the attitude in his heart, I must acknowledge who I am. I must not cover my sin. I must admit it to God. And he did that. But Abel or Cain did not do that, did he? Cain went down another pathway in life, which the devil must have been working on in his own spirit, in his own heart. And Cain must have been thinking to himself, you know, I'm not that bad. I'm not a horrible person. I'm pretty decent. Been pretty good to my parents. I've not really offended God. And so Cain, as he brought his. Sacrifice that day, he was saying, I, I, I really don't need to have my sins atoned for. Kind of reminds you, doesn't it, of the story one day when Jesus went into the temple and he saw two people praying and there was a Pharisee that came to the front of the temple and he looked up to heaven so proud of himself and said, said God, aren't you so proud of me? I'm not like that tax collector over there all the things he's done in life. And I tithe and I do this and I pray and I fast. And God, you're proud of me. I'm here. I offer myself. That was Cain. Abel was the one who came into the temple and could not even look up to heaven because he was so ashamed of the sin in his life and the way he was and, and just beat his chest and begged God, Have mercy on me, a sinner. You see who was able and who was king in that story? You know, liberalism is nothing new. Liberalism started with the very second generation. Liberalism is that that defiant look and, and shout that says, I am okay. I can make myself okay. I've got it all within myself to do it. And I really don't need God. I really don't need a sacrifice. I'll never forget when I was growing up as a teenager and being in one of those services where where, uh, the preacher gives the altar call. And watching one of my friends as the Spirit of God came upon that friend and he came out of his seat trembling and made his way to an altar and there prayed with tears and got all done and sat back in the greatest sigh of relief you could ever find on a person's face. I finally admitted to God. I finally acknowledged to God it's no secret anymore. And as I did, God washed over my soul and made me free that's what Cain experienced or Abel experienced excuse me but Cain did not here's a third thing Cain's offering was a belief that we can offer works to please God Ephesians 2 8 and 9 we read for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves it is the gift of God God not by work so that no one can boast. Abel was justified before God for what reasons? Because he depended upon the sacrifice and that alone. He depended upon the generosity and the love and the mercy and the, and the character of God to forgive his sins. Cain did not believe in that. Cain was in effect saying, I don't need that. I'm good myself. What I'm doing is, is good enough. And so, there you have two brothers. Abel put his dependence upon God's acceptance, acquittal, reconciliation. Cain lacked that faith. Here's what sin does, you know. It it wounds God's spirit. It really does. Sin is an act against God. Sin grieves God. The very person of God. Sin does that to And you see, our works don't take care of that. Good works don't touch the heart of God. Good works don't take away the grieving that he has experienced, the woundedness that we, create, that we cause to him. It doesn't happen. Only the sacrifice is what takes away the grief of God. The sacrifice Abel offered was a figure of the real sacrifice to come later, which was the lamb, the sacrificial uh, uh, offering given on Calvary, Jesus himself slain on the cross. Sometimes in our our humanness or in our uh, new thinking, and this has always been a part of mankind too, sometimes we think, well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. And that will make everything all right. I'll just turn over a new leaf. I can be better. I can, I can make some changes and, and everything will be all right. And, you know, I do think that God wants us to make changes in our lives. And I do think that God challenges us to, to step up in areas in our lives. But turning over a new leaf never reconciles us with God. It doesn't work. That's good works. That's a thinking that's as old as Satan himself that somehow we in our own strength and whatever we can come up with can make ourselves good enough for God. And that was Cain. But it doesn't work. Abel's sacrifice was given because he knew he had sin in his life and he had come to believe there is only one answer for my sin and that is the sacrifice. Number four, Cain was in effect saying, I will not bow down to my creator, Redeemer. Oh, he might not have really said that if you really pinpointed him, but he really was. The Bible talks about Cain further in Jude chapter 11. In fact, these are really fearful words in the book of Jude that we read concerning those who will not bow to God. We read these words, Woe to them, they have taken the way of Cain. Cain would not bow down to God. Cain was basically blind to his own downfall and folly here. He offered his sacrifice. He thought this is great. God will love it. But he was blind to the very fact that in everything he did, he was putting himself above God. God will not sit on my throne. And God did not accept. And what do we read? That Cain was upset. He was angry. He was disappointed. He must have been thinking to himself, I've done a good job. I've brought a good offering in. But see, all in the wrong spirit, all in the wrong attitude, all with the wrong heart. Can that really happen in religion? It happened with Cain. It happened with the Pharisees. It happened even with the great high priest of the Jews, Caiaphas. And still happens today. To bow to your Creator, to your Redeemer, is to acknowledge that you really do need Him. And Abel came with his sacrifice with that frame of mind. I offer my sacrifice, the animal here, because I know I need my Redeemer to forgive my sin. There is no other way. Abel, on the other hand, did not feel that, sense it at all. Now do you know what? We must come as, as Abel did. What? 6,000 years ago? Something like that. And for us, the sacrifice we believe in now is the cross of Christ. But really, it's the same spirit, the same heart that Abel came with. You and I must come with. There's no substitute for the cross when we seek to be righteous. Now, here's a saying that I'm going to have put on the PowerPoint that just might kind of blow you out of the water. You might even think it's... it's uh, Uh, heretical sacrilegious not even right but let me say it and you read it you think about it for a minute and it's simply this only sinners qualify for the gift of salvation you cannot be saved unless you're a sinner almost sounds heretical but it's really true Only sinners qualify for the gift of salvation. You know what's interesting here in this in this whole passage of Scripture, we didn't read everything. But even though Cain acted the way he did, he was defiant before God. He was trusting in his own works, he was pious, he thought he he put himself up as God. God still loved him. And God said Cain This is not the sacrifice I'm looking for, but you can bring one that I'm looking for. You still have a chance. You can do it. Cain didn't, did he? Cain still went his own way. Cain then went and murdered his brother. You know what? Even after all of that, God's Spirit still chased after Cain. What would happen in our day with Cain? He would be behind bars for life. But even in that stage, God still pursued Cain with his love. There was still that opportunity for Cain to have come and and trusted in the real sacrifice that atones for sins. We don't know exactly what happened with Cain. You bow your head just a moment. As we pray. Lord, as we come to you this morning, we could pray to you in maybe one of two ways. It first might be that we would simply pray, Jesus, I do believe that you are the sacrificial lamb. I do not trust in my good works alone, but just you and you only. And I've come to you and I have done that. And you have atoned for my sins. And I thank you for that. Could be though, Father, a prayer this morning would be that we would pray, Jesus, forgive me for I have been trusting in my good works. And now I realize once again that I must trust in nothing but you alone. You are the sacrifice. And and I clear that up right now. I, I make that change. I trust in you. Nothing I could do or come up with or think of or whatever would be that would look good. Not even turning over a new leaf, Jesus, I realize, would atone for my sin, but simply You alone, the sacrifice on Calvary. Others might be praying this morning, Jesus, I now admit to You and acknowledge to You that I have sinned and I will not hide it now. And I plead to you that you would forgive me, pardon me. I do not deserve it, I know that. But I believe that you love me. I believe that you provide this for me. And now I accept. And I put my faith in you.